As I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow. Many arrows pierce my soul from without within, but my Lord leads me on, through him I must win. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. to see him look upon his face there to sing forever of a saving grace on the streets of glory let me lift my voice cares all past home at last ever to rejoice oh i want to see him look upon his face there to sing forever of a saving grace on the streets of glory let me lift my voice cares all past home at last ever to rejoice cares all past home at last ever to That's a great song. I like that one. Good stuff. All right, we've been dealing with our Bible Truth series and the work of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, we um, have talked about what part did the Holy Spirit play in creation. And we noted what, he, what part he plays in the Old Testament overall. What part he plays during the incarnation of Christ. And uh, spent a little bit of time on that. And then we went to what part does the Holy Spirit play in the dispensation of grace. And finally, we've been addressing this issue, what part does the Holy Spirit play in the church? And we noted that the necessity of the Holy Spirit, we noted the necessity of the Holy Spirit in the affairs of the church at the, at the first church council in Acts chapter 15. Then we also noted uh, his necessity concerning the early, early on with Ananias and Sapphira and, and just uh, how he addressed and dealt with some of those things. Today we want to continue to pick up in that area and continue to think about what part he plays, what role he plays in the church. And today we're going to talk about the necessity of the Holy Spirit in the affairs of the church in reference to choosing and sending out his preachers. And so let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and we'll look at that tonight. Father, thank you for this time that we have together. And Lord, we're grateful for just so many that are making it a point to learn their memory verses this year and Lord, um, there's no way we can know yet at the end of the year how many will be able to do all of them, but Lord, it's certainly exciting to see everybody trying, and Lord, it's just a wonderful thing, whether it's 
five verses or 50 verses, Lord, it'll be more than probably we have sought to learn in the past. And Lord, it's just so important that we hide your word in our heart. And Lord, I'm just excited to see so many youngsters as well as adults working at this. And Lord, uh, it's going to make a difference here at our church. I know it will because, Lord, you said that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So, Lord, our faith's going to increase by doing this because we're spending more time dwelling and just meditating on your word. Now, Father, bless us tonight as we do the same. And, Lord, may you reveal to us truths that will encourage us, Father, that will instruct us and even inspire us. Lord, we are certainly thankful for just the privilege to be a part of your family, and we look forward to what you're going to do tonight in our midst. Thank you again that, Lord, we're not alone tonight. Thank you that you're here with us. Father, have your will and way in our hearts, our lives. Guide my lips, and may I be filled with your spirit, and help me, Father, to proclaim your truth as only I can with your help. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so the necessity of the Holy Spirit in the affairs of the church in reference to choosing and sending out his preachers. Now, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, he chose and sent out some apostles. And um, the Holy Spirit chooses and sends out his preachers. Take your Bible and turn over to the book of Acts, chapter 13, and we're going to read about that. We're going to see that for ourselves. Acts chapter 13. Of course, we know that the church itself had, uh, was going through a transition because God had been dealing with Israel, and, and now he's dealing with the church. And uh, we know that the law was the main deal in the Old Testament. Now we have grace, and God is beginning to share the gospel and spread the gospel across the world. And the Jews, of course, rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and as a, as a nation, and as a result, he turns to the Gentile. And we're going to see that that's exactly what's taking place here in chapter 13 of the book of Acts. Uh, the, Peter's kind of off the scene, so to speak, as far as the word of God at this point. Now it turns from chapter 13 on to the apostle Paul. And we're going to see that the Holy Spirit's going to be sending out his missionaries, if you will, his preachers, to go out and evangelize the world and to ensure that everyone gets the gospel of Jesus Christ across the globe. And so we see here in chapter 13 the Holy Spirit at work. Notice what it says in verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which uh, he had been uh, brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus." Now, the passage opens up by listing five men in particular. We have this Barnabas and Simeon, and we have Lucius, Manaen, and Saul. And uh, Saul, of course, would be Paul. We understand he's the apostle Paul. These men were pretty well known for their faith. They were well known for their commitment in Christ. The word translated minister here in the passage is used in the Septuagint, 
it's, it has to do with the work of the Levites and kind of directs us or suggests that uh, the spiritual nature of the work that they were doing at the time. The word minister, again, is derived from a word that carries the idea of public service. Public service that's conducted at the expense of oneself or own self. So they were serving the Lord and they were serving in a very spiritual capacity at their own expense. That's the mentality of it. That's what we're getting from the passage there. Now, it's safe to say that the elders at Antioch were not in it for the money. That wasn't happening. That's not why they were serving the Lord. Nobody was getting rich back there in Antioch because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Theirs was a very sacrificial service as well as a very spiritual service. And um, it cost them. It cost them a great deal to be an elder or a pastor of a church or to be one of the leaders in the church. And it always does cost you. There's no way you become a leader in a church of any form, shape, or form without it costing something. And uh, a person doesn't qualify to lead God's people unless he's prepared to make significant sacrifices in time, money, and effort. That's just the reality of it. You don't get anywhere with God, and you don't ultimately become somebody of significance in the house of God without making sacrifices. And that's what we see here in the passage. And I'm going to tell you, Paul and Barnabas were making some, some serious sacrifices, along with the five men, the total five men that were being listed, and I'm sure many others as well, had made up their mind that the gospel of Jesus Christ was worth sacrificing for. Now, again, it's important to notice that the Holy Spirit called the best of the best. And I think that's important to recognize here. And, and he, he pinpointed Paul and Barnabas, who were spiritual, they were faithful, and they were successful in the work of God. Now, losing them to this particular mission field, sending them out to minister to other parts of the world, it was like losing a right arm at the church. I mean, the, the church at Antioch was going to be missing an arm, if you will, because they just lost two of their most prized possessions, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. And that's how it works. See, what was a loss in Antioch was a great gain for the rest of the world. Now, here's the question I have for you. Would your absence leave a massive void in the church? Would the ministry here at Community Baptist Temple feel the impact of your absence? Would it find leadership scrambling to fill the void that you just left behind? Would it leave folks brokenhearted? I believe that these two men, when they walked out the door of Antioch, being called to the Holy Ghost and confirmed by the other leadership in the church and the church congregation, I believe that there were broken hearts. And I believe there was a massive void that was left behind. I believe that it left leadership scrambling to find others who were equally, equally, mind you, as committed as those two were. Let me tell you something. That's a hard void to fill. That's a hard void to fill. And yet here they were, sending out their best. They weren't sending a couple of flunkies. They weren't sending somebody out the door to get rid of them. They were sending the best of the best out, and the Holy Spirit of God knew who was the ones. I'll tell you something. God knows if you're real or not. He knows if I'm real or not. Amen. He knows the real heart of a person. And boy, I'll tell you what, I think he nailed it, because we see that 
evidence of faithfulness and consistency and fruitfulness in these men's lives to the day they died. So we see that the Holy Spirit chooses elders and pastors of the church. Now again, Paul reminds the Ephesian elders that it was the Holy Ghost who made them overseers to feed the church of God. Look if you would in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. It's very important. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Again, what role does the Holy Spirit play in the church? The Holy Spirit literally calls out preachers. He's the one that pinpoints the people to go be sent forth into the world to proclaim the truth in that capacity. And this is important to remember because we're going to see that, unfortunately, that's not always the case. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Take heed, he says, therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, and he hath, uh, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Now, here's the interesting thing. He's talking about a body in which the Lord Jesus has purchased with his own blood. He literally laid down his life for the body, for this church, if you would. And here in this passage, he says, Take heed thereto unto yourselves and to all the flock. That flock is the flock that he laid his life down for, over the which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers. So here's God. He's the one that lays his life down for the flock. And he's also the one who chooses the ones who are supposed to lay their life down for them. Isn't that interesting? It's not the flock deciding who lays their life down for them. It's God doing that. Isn't that interesting? I think that's important to remember. See, Mark O'Donnell might be the pastor of Community Baptist Temple, and he may not be allowed to preach like this because you're supposed to get an evangelist to say these things. But I'm telling you now, God placed me here. You didn't put me here. God did. Now listen, when God's done with me, he'll move me out. And only then. And the truth is, is that when the man of God is called by the Lord, he's placed into a position. I'm, I'm telling you, too many men of God let the congregation dictate and determine when their time is up. And my friend, that is not when it's up. It's when God says it's over. God didn't promise us a rose garden. I don't know who sang the song, but I still remember that. My mom used to play that before she was saved. And I don't think it's in that context, but nonetheless, you've got my message. You understand what I'm saying. Now, it's interesting. In the book of Romans, chapter 13, verse 1, I like this. It says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. We understand those powers to be worldly powers, right? We look at that, and as it goes on in the context of Romans chapter 13, it's dealing with government, it's dealing with authorities in our lives, outside the church even. And the Bible says that we are to yield ourselves to those authorities. Why? Because God has placed them in that position of authority in our lives. Now, that being the case, can there be any question at all that God would be responsible for placing spiritual leaders over the flock then. If he literally believes it's important to put worldly leaders in place, it's only 
it makes perfect sense that he would certainly put his leaders over the flock or in the church. These pastors were not chosen by the will of the people alone. However, the will of the people was the will of the Lord at one point. And that's how it should work. In this case, the Holy Spirit chooses and the church should confirm it. And that's how it ought to work. It's not the other way around. It's not we choose this, now get on board with us, Holy Spirit. That's not how it's supposed to work. And so we see here that the pastors were not chosen by the will of the people alone, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, we're given an example in the scriptures of somebody who was appointed to an official position in the church without really consulting the Holy Spirit. We have the case of Matthias. Uh, Judas, remember, killed himself, and it left a vacancy amongst the disciples. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 1, verse 22. Peter's going to mention the fact there's a vacancy now. We got a problem. There was 12 of us. Now there's only 11. I think it's time we go searching for a 12th. We got to fill the void. We got to put somebody in the gap, so to speak. Now look at Acts chapter 1, verse 22. And Peter's going to make some statements, or he's going to mention this thing, and he's going to bring it to the attention of all the others. Acts chapter 1, verse 22. Beginning from the baptism of John, now, we all remember as we look back on Scripture how John baptized and preached repentance and so forth, and he preached the, the fact that we need to prepare for the coming of the Messiah and all of that. We understand that. And, and, and so Peter's pointing back now. He's looking back in the past, and he's saying, okay, beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us, him being the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying, okay, let's remember, we're looking back at the baptism of John, when John was baptizing, when the public ministry of Christ really kicked off right around that time because John started earlier than Jesus did. And now here we have Jesus ascending back to the Father. And he's drawing attention to those major dates, if you will, in, in the past. He says, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection? So he's saying, okay, we have now have this void in our midst. We only have 11 of 12. And we need to find somebody who has been around to see the baptism of John and somebody who was around at the resurrection of Christ so that they can be a witness with us of these things. We want an apostle to join our ranks, then they have to have been a witness because that's what we were called to do in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, right? So they have to be a witness. And that makes sense, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. Perfect, perfect thinking. To this point, however, the, the apostles had had no voice in choosing apostles. Never once did Jesus go to the ones that were already on his, well, on, his, uh, uh, on his payroll, if you will, and saying, hey, I tell you what, fellas, you think we ought to let mm, Theophilus in? Eh, blackballing. Now, I don't like him. Now, now, when I was a kid, he made fun of me. I don't like him. All right, well, let's try to find somebody else. I, give me six names of people you guys really would like to see join our club. That's not how it worked. 
They didn't do that. Jesus chose them. The apostles had nothing to say about who were his apostles. And so we see here that all of a sudden now we have an apostle taking it on himself to choose an apostle. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, the Bible says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Wait a second. What did he tell the apostles? He said, now here's the thing. I don't want you to do anything until the Holy Spirit comes down and endues you with power. You just go settle yourself down in the city and you wait for the Holy Spirit to come. We already talked about the fact that the Catholic Church has, believes that the Pope is the victor, vicar of Christ. That he's kind of God's or Jesus Christ's representative on earth. That when he speaks, he speaks as though it were Christ himself. Let me tell you, we already recognize and understand according to the scriptures, the only vicar is the vicar of Christ, is the Holy Ghost. Listen, we're waiting on the vicar of Christ, the Holy Spirit, to come down and give guidance and direction and influence to the apostles. Not for the apostles to step into the role of influencer. And yet Peter, and I believe with all sincerity without any sense of trying to overstep God's bounds. I think he thought he was doing what was best, but I don't see anywhere in Scripture at some point where that is confirmed. Because, you know, it's interesting to note that Matthias is never mentioned after this again. Nowhere in Scripture do you read the name Matthias except there in that chapter. And it would only be a few short years later that the Apostle Paul himself would be called Look, if you would, in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. Again, in spite of the, the Lord's command, a, a nomination was made. All right, Matthias, I, there's two fellas here. Which one do you think we should put in place? Which one of the two, fellas? Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's roll the dice. And in a sense, that's kind of what they did. And it landed on Matthias. Now, Matthias, I'm sure, was a top-notch Christian. I have no doubt that he was out there preaching and, man, seeing revival like the rest, that souls were being saved, and, man, he was a go-getter for Jesus. But notice, it would only be a few short years later, Matthias never being mentioned again, Paul himself would find a the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. Ananias is told, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. I mean, Paul the apostle now has come to Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, and here he is now. Matter of fact, notice what the Apostle Paul says about himself in the book of Galatians. In the book of Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, the Apostle Paul said, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. Paul would ultimately say that he was an apostle of, out of due season. 
I kind of lean toward the idea that it was never God's intention to place Matthias in as an apostle. I believe that at some point, the fellows got a little bit anxious potentially here. It seems to me that way. And they stepped into the role where they didn't belong. And as a result of that, Matthias became an apostle, at least in name. But Paul was the one who God intended to be that, to take his place. Upon the death of the apostle John, there'd be no more apostles because of that requirement. Remember the requirement? You you had to be, you know, the baptism of John, the, the, the ascension of Jesus Christ. Man, John, he was the youngest of the apostles to our knowledge. And now here he is at the age of probably close, they claim about 90 years of age. I mean, he's, he's so old, he's, 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 he's past a walker. I mean, this guy, I mean, he, he's amazing, you know, but he's still preaching. They got to carry him up into the pulpit, maybe. I don't know. But here we got him, and I mean, he's out there doing the job, but hey, there's nobody that's able, that can say, boy, I remember when John was baptizing. Oh, they may have said, I heard about it. My, my dad, my mom told me about it. My grandma, grandpa told me about John. But they're not around anymore. That's a long time ago, preacher. No more apostles now. Even so, it's still God's divine plan that the office of the pastor of the flock be filled by the Holy Spirit choosing. That's how God intends it to be. Let me, I'm going to give you a question. I want you to think about this. Is it any wonder why we see so many men flounder and fail in the ministry? Let me say that again. Is it any wonder why we see so many men flounder and fall in the ministry? Could it be that there are, as they used to say, mommy and daddy called? Maybe preacher called. Maybe church called. But Holy Spirit called is the Bible way. Boy, I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit has to put his finger on a man. And then the church ought to come along and say, boy, we agree with him. Notice what the men were doing that were called. They were ministering unto the Lord. And they were praying and fasting. It's interesting, their hearts were so knit with God's that God had great confidence in them. Tell you what, I think today in our midst, uh, in our churches even, across the world, at least across this country, I believe that we have downgraded the position of the pastorate and to, a, to, to a mere job. We're just simply CEOs. Can you went to school? Do you got a degree? Yes. Well, then you're qualified. Uh Uh-uh. No, going to school does not make you a preacher. That's not what the Bible says, at least. And we see this here in this passage. Now, so number one, we notice when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we noted here that what part does he play in the church? One of the things we note that 
he's involved in the affairs of the church by choosing and sending out preachers. And we said, well, first of all, he chooses the elders and pastors of the church. But not only that, but he chooses not only who should go, but where to go. This is important too. Now, turn to Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through 7. This one's not quite as, well, it's going to be a little less, as we would say, dogmatic. But let me express to you where the line falls here a little bit. Try to identify where this line falls. Because there's a couple of teachings, and by the way, remember, you don't need a thus saith the Lord to walk away with biblical truth. You need principle. We make big mistakes in the New Testament church right now in our day and age, in the Laodicean age. You know, the day, Laodicean meaning the people's rights. Well, we think we have rights as believers today. We make big mistakes in this area because we we say, well, I don't see it in black and white, so you can't tell me I'm wrong. Well, what about the principles of the Word of God? This is what we're going to focus on because this area, I think, is governed more by principle than anything else because we're going to see that I, I, I'm going to, I think, and I might be wrong, and you, you, you may be able to correct me, but as we look at this, I think we're going to find that there's somewhat of a distinction between you and me in this area going to everybody and anybody with the gospel versus a preacher who's going to go and plan a ministry. There's a little bit of a difference here. Now, let me show you what it says here. Okay, so it says, <clears throat> Acts chapter 16, verse 6 and 7. Now, when they had gone throughout uh, Pergia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, who's they? Well, the implication is it's the Apostle Paul along with those that were traveling with him. Now, he was sent out by the Holy Spirit. We understand that in chapter 13, the book of Acts. We know this. Notice he goes on. And, and by the way, the Apostle Paul, you have to understand too, the Apostle Paul was the first one to break the Gentile barrier. Nobody else had done that. You say, Philip did. No, not really. Because Philip went to the Samaritans who were half Jew and half Gentile. He was a transitional piece. But Paul brought in the mystery. Paul was used to uncover the mystery of the local church being Jew and Gentile, one body. That's what he did. And so now we're going to see that the Holy Spirit is very careful to guide and direct his footsteps and every move he makes. Notice it says in Acts 16, 7 again, now when they had gone throughout Pergia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden, notice they, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Now that sounds kind of mean, doesn't it? God wouldn't let him go to Asia. Well, God always knows what's best, I think. We, we, we say that a lot. We don't always mean it, but, but, but you know what I mean. You know how it is. It's always good when it's somebody else we're talking about, but when it's us, you know, it's a different ball game, you know. I mean, I'm, not, I'm just trying to be honest. But, but we, it shouldn't be that way. But nonetheless, so he preached the word. He said he forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia after they were come to Messiah. They essayed to go into Bithynia, 
but the Spirit suffered them not. Man, I mean, the Holy Spirit's putting the brakes on, isn't he? He's putting the brakes on. And the Apostle Paul, of course, is like, oh, man, I want to go. I want to win souls. I want to start churches. And the Holy Spirit's like, whoa, whoa, put the brakes on. Now, in the passage, it's clear the Holy Spirit is being very active in directing his servants. Now, you and I know this to be the case because we have scripture on it, that the word of God will not return void. We know that, again, this is one of these principles, okay? We see it in Scripture, and it's, it's here. And, and it applies, you say, well, that's the Old Testament, Isaiah 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. Hey, I, I believe that's still true of the word of God today. So here's the thing. Okay, Paul, you want to go to Asia? God's saying, No. And he's like, hey, come on, man. I know the Bible, and I know that his word won't return void. And he'd have a point. And you know what? Maybe God would have used him in Asia in spite of it. Then he might have died in Asia too real fast. We don't know. But what we do know is God had something for him very unique and special. And he just had to be patient enough to wait on the Lord. Now, you and I, we're in Akron. Man, when I go up there and I start looking at routes that are on the table, I go, Lord, which one do you want me to grab? Hmm. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Catch a route by the toe. I don't do that. I start praying over it. I don't just look to see which one's got the less, least amount. I don't look for the street that's the straightest and easiest or shortest. I want to know which one God wants me to go to. Now, sometimes God really makes it clear. Other times he doesn't. Sometimes it's almost like, you know, one of those, um, Brother Whitey used to show us one of those sticks. We, we got these, you know, actually, what, you know, sticks and you find water with it. But we, we were, we were, we, we had these, um, and, and then you could use not only divining sticks, but he, he told us you could use these uh, um, coat hangers. Man, I mean, we're getting good with the coat hangers until we were digging up the whole parking lot and realized nothing was under there. <laughs> now, we thought we had it figured out, man. And Whitey's like, well, sometimes it doesn't work, guys. Thanks for telling us now. You know, it's like, okay, great. <laughs> it's great, though. That oh, was funny. And, you know, that's not how it works at the table, though. You know, it's not like, okay, Lord, oh, that's not how it works. You know, people are like that with their Bible, aren't they? All right, today I'm going to read. Lord, let it fall open. Wow. It's my favorite verse, Lord. How'd that happen? No, but usually they're just like, okay, well, the Lord wants me to study maps today. I mean, you know, it's like, come on, you know, that's not, that doesn't usually work, right? That's not how it's supposed to happen. But, but we can pray about it. But hold on, let me say this. Pastor walks up and he says, hey, brother, I really want you to take this route. Well, that's not the one the Lord was speaking to me about. He spoke to me about it. Huh. Okay. You are the authority in the church. I guess I'll take that and know God wanted me to do it then. Wow. 
wow, how easy was that? No pressure now. You take the route, you go out, and whatever happens, God's in it. And you know what? His word won't return void. Oh, I'm never going to succeed now. Pastor stepped in, gave me a route I wasn't planning on. My, my shoulder was leaning one way, and he handed me the other. No, it'll be fine. You'll be okay. Why? Because the principle is that his word doesn't return void. And the truth is, is that you aren't starting a church. We're going out to witness to anybody and everybody in our area. But we're hoping to start a church here out of our church soon. Let me tell you, whoever starts that church better make sure wherever they're at, God said, this is I don't care if this is it for two years or 20 years or 200 years, but it better be a very clear, this is it. Because it doesn't just affect a visitation night. It doesn't just affect a visitation campaign. It affects their life and their investment forever, including their wife, their family, and everyone else. Well, they better know, because I guarantee you this, you might run into some problems out knocking the door. But I promise you, they're going to run into some problems planting a church. And they better know God's in it, without question in it. And I believe that that's what the Lord's trying to do here. Because see, what happens is, is when the Holy Spirit, we give him the leadership to do so. We say, okay, and, and by the way, he is the leader whether we want to admit it or not. We understand that. But can I tell you that he is not the leader of you or me if we don't give him leadership? You know, this idea that as a parent I can make my kid do whatever I want, whenever I want, anytime I want, you're out of your mind. They get old enough, guess what? The only authority you have is the authority you're given. I'll make my wife do. You ain't making her do nothing. You better be the man of God you ought to be, and you better be the, the, the kind of leader you ought to be, and you better just beg God to give you the kind of uh, fellowship that you hope to have, and you better be worthy of that fellowship and give every reason for them to follow because the truth is they're going to have to yield to your leadership or you won't have any at all. Now, you may be a leader in God's eyes, but you aren't theirs. So my point being is, We've got to make sure, in this case, that we let God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit especially, to, to have the authority to direct us, guide us, and lead us, especially in ministry, wherever we may go. Someone says, I, I just, I'm going to tell you, this, you don't, don't you ever leave a church till the Holy Spirit moves you. Amen. No pastor big enough to make you move. There's no, there's no program that's messed up enough to make you move. You better make sure it's the Holy Spirit moving you and your family. This idea, did you pray? Yeah, I've been praying. You have? Have you been fasting? I don't know. I wouldn't move my family until I fasted and prayed. And I had clear green lights, not just little open doors that we've been kicking open. And I'm going to tell you something. You better be real careful. There are times the Holy Spirit ought to be guiding us maybe a little more than we let him. And I believe that's one of them in our, our churches today. Preacher, you are a blessing. We really love when you tell us the truth. Yeah, I know. I can tell. But nonetheless, in this case, we see that the, when it comes to the minister of God, the preachers, not only do they need to be called to the Holy Ghost, they better be planted by him. And, and I know not my, my pastor, when, when I, and I got to close this down, but when my pastor heard that I was going to start a church, you know, I went to him and talked to him, 
And he was all behind it. He was all good with that. Don't misunderstand me. He was great. I, I love my, my preacher. He was great, you know, in that regard. And he's like, okay, yeah. You ready to start church? He's like, okay, when you start? And I said, I have no idea. Where are you going? Don't know. I'm waiting on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And he said, yeah, but you know you're supposed to start a church now. Yeah, I finally came to that conclusion. I'm confident that the Lord wants me to start a, and plant a church. I'm confident of that. So then what are you waiting on? Go start it. I said, yeah, but I don't know where exactly. It doesn't matter. And I said, only if I want the Holy Spirit to lead me. I said, listen, I, I just want to know for sure because I am confident of one thing in the ministry from just what I know and what you've told me. I'm going to run into some real obstacles and I'm going to face some real difficulties. I better know God planted me here because I don't want to be tempted to walk away. Because if I put myself there, then I'll take myself out. If it, God puts me there, then I have to wait on him to get me out. And I got to believe that he wanted this trouble for me. And then I'll be able to handle it knowing that that's what he wants for me. Well, he, he, he was not as patient as I was, but we got through it, and things turned out great, and the Lord blessed, and it was wonderful. But he, the Holy Spirit, has to choose where. Now, again, it's a little different with door knocking. I mean, come on now. We, can, we, we got a lot of people. Well, I don't know if I should pass out a track to that guy over there. What? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to what? Every creature? Now, wait a second. That's different. That's different. Now, wait. The Holy Spirit, have you ever noticed the Holy Spirit, though, will tell you there's certain people, it's like you just can't get away from it? I, that's time, it's time to listen. But on the other hand, why would we ever say, well, I'm waiting on the Lord to lead me to pass the track out or to invite somebody to church or to give somebody the gospel? I'm going to wait on the Holy Spirit. Hey, he's already told us to go. We don't need to wait anymore. So in that sense, and I guess that's what I'm trying to express here. So, ultimately, with Paul the Apostles, we close this down. In Acts chapter 16, this is what's interesting. In verse 8, he says, And they passed by uh, uh, Mysia, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. He said, shut the door on Asia, shut the door over here. But here all of a sudden, as they just said, okay, Lord, we're just going to obey you. We don't know what you have planned for us. We're a little anxious to get going again, but we'll wait on you. And the Lord said, here's where I want you to go. And boy, great revival broke out. God blessed. We're often guilty of not being sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit as he prompts us to hand out that tract, share that invitation, or present the gospel. Man, we need to bend our ears to his voice amidst the hustle and bustle of life. It's busy out there. It's loud, but we need to listen. Paul was forging a trail throughout the world with the gospel. And more than anyone, God knows who's most open to the truth. Boy, the minister would be wise to heed his direction. And so would the believer in Christ. Heed the direction of the Holy Spirit. We note the necessity of the Holy Spirit in the affairs of the church at the first church council in Acts 15. We notice it early on with Ananias and Sapphira. And we notice 
You notice it in reference to choosing and sending out preachers in the New Testament church. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for your leadership. And Lord, may we never underestimate the necessity of the Holy Spirit in our lives daily. Father, help us, Lord, just to give you our very best. Lord, to just yield ourselves. Lord, we don't have all the answers. We, don't, we can't possibly know everything. But Lord, you do. You, you hold tomorrow in your hands. Lord, may we trust you with tomorrow. I, 